Welcome to the Retireable Podcast. I'm Mike Wallace. My name is John Sauger. John, you had an interesting um, little charitable event recently that I want you to, to talk to me a little bit about. Yes, today we're going to talk a lot about charitable contributions and charitable activity. So I was part of a group that uh, raised funds for a local camp. And um, we did a run where we raced from um, Muskegon, Michigan to Traverse City. That's crazy. That's uh, about 200-ish miles. <laughs> okay. Right? And and you had to 12, we had a 12-person team, and a runner had to be on the course at each point. We all had different runs and different stopping points. And so um, you do it as fast as you can. So I, we had a six-person van and a six-person van or, or, you know, a big van. And, you know, you have a a driver and a security and a safety officer and your runners and everything. And, and you, you run each, each spot of the way. And so I happen to be runner three. So I, the first second, then I ran, then the next person and you, you run and then you rest for a little bit and then you run again, then you rest for a little bit and you run again. And so it was a, about 18 miles in uh, about 25 hours. Okay. And so you, you ran three legs then, as yes. you're saying, yep. r- roughly six miles each, yep. each yep. leg. And then yeah. so each person about the same, is that how that worked? Or? Right around there, but they're different legs just based on, on location. But yeah, like the one person, their first run might be nine miles and their next one might be three. But yeah, everybody's between probably 16 and 18 miles. Okay. And, and that's for a normal team. There are other teams that are... Um, what they call ultra teams, and they can run longer distances, and and you don't see them that often because they're running by you so fast. But that's uh, <laughs> yeah, there it's 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 a really interesting experience, really, really energizing for a for a fundraiser as well. You're exhausted, you're sweaty, you're gross, you're all those different things, but you're with this group of people that are all accomplished the same thing. So that's a really neat experience for a fundraiser. Oh, sure, though, that's super really cool. re- rewarding as far as that's concerned. Now, sure. I, I'm, I'm I'm still curious about this though a little bit. So. Um, you ran the the full time, right? So no one stopped. Everybody's running, like overnight, etc. Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. They start you early in the morning on the first day, um, based on the slower teams start first because they're trying to get everybody to finish around the same time. Okay. You know, so there was, I think there was well over a hundred teams that that, that was my next teams. question. So yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It's a big, it's a big teams. thing. Okay. They do these around the country. It's a big, it's a big race. Somebody is supposed to be on the course the full time, and so. You're just run, running through and it throughout all hours. The safety is is really important. So like you have to have a light up vest and a and a headlamp on between certain hours of the day. Even if you're out of your van cheering on your runner, you have to have safety on. And so that was unique to me. I had never run at night before uh, with a, with headlamps on and stuff. That was a learning process. Oh my so gosh, you got to trip. Cool. Yeah, you just got to get used to that. Then, yeah, eh? it was different. It was different, especially um, for those of you that, that that have ever been in Michigan uh, up that up that west coast of Michigan. There is a lot of hills over there. The Arcadia area is very hilly. Oh, yeah. Now, does each team raise money for a different charity or are they all for the same charity? Some actually just do it because they're crazy and they're just going. No, most teams are just different. Some will just volunteer their time and go do it. It's not necessarily doing it for charity, but most people, I think, are raising for different groups and stuff. There were two teams, two 12-person teams raising money for for the charity we did. Okay. And how did you you get involved with that? So, actually, my wife actually had uh, taken kids to that camp before and got to know a ton of the people there and my wife and I have been runners and, and, and for years. And so a few years ago, someone asked her to sponsor them. And then the next year they said, hey, instead of sponsoring us, would you be a runner? And so my wife has done it for a handful of years, uh, five, I think six years now. Um, and I happened to be a fill-in this year because somebody dropped out. And my wife and I, I would never do it because she was fundraising. I was. I would end up talking to the same people. I didn't want to fundraise the same people. So in that situation, we she would just go do the running, and I would stay at home with the kids. Well, now that the kids are older and out of the house, 
they said, hey, we need a fill-in runner. John, will you do it? So I, I got to jump in this year. So it was really cool. And you're probably, you're probably sucked in for the rest of the time, huh, Oh, yeah, John? they mentioned that. They mentioned that. There's a few other ones coming up that they're planning on doing okay. in the future. Yeah, so, yep, they mentioned that. I mean, I, I, I do love that you can put together a um, one of your loves um, with a charitable um, event. You it know, is a really you new know, experience. So, you know, you've done both, the same. Yeah. Okay, we've done things as well. And, you know, again, John and I both are both golfers as well. And we, we love to support um, a lot of our charities with some of the charitable golf outings. And some of these things have been, you know, for years and years and years. And I was uh, part of a, um, I have a son with autism and we um, started a 501c3 uh, organization to raise money for kids on the spectrum. And we did golf outings for years in that as well. Uh, and that was always fun because you could bring one of your passions right, um, right. to raising money right. and have a lot of fun by doing that as well. So, Well, and um, I, I, I think it's the excitement of stuff is you're going to golf anyway. I mean, I was going to run anyway. I might not have run 18 miles in, yeah. in, in 20 hours or something, but I was going to run anyway and get a workout in. But when you can factor that in with with the fundraising and giving and that charitable component, there's just an excitement there that's yeah. that you don't get that all the time. And so that's really neat to do. And, and really a big part of what, what we're going to talk about today with charity and, and charitable conversations. Yeah. Well, and, and the competition with some of that stuff and True. the camaraderie, you True. know, when it comes down to that. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit today uh, about just charity in general. And, and John and I, when we were preparing for this episode, we were talking about we both um, went to Catholic schools all our lives and, and we've been involved in the churches over the years as well. And it's amazing. Like we were almost bred to, to raise money, you it's, know. Um, and not only sure. not only bread to raise money, but because we were always begging for money as kids, right? Yep. That I'm very, very, very charitable inclined, anyways. You know, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. of the fact that that I've I've seen and, and witnessed it over the years, and so, you know, I don't, you know, any Cub Scout that comes to my door, anybody that's outside, you know, any store, I'm always buying a Girl Scout cookie sure. or or donating. You know, obviously, we all find some of the charities that we are that are near and dear to our hearts for too. Sure. For that sure. we're going to be a lot more. Um, charitable to, or a lot of its churches as well, right? Well, and, and especially as you go as you go along and, and, and you look at stuff. If you've listened to any part of this podcast already, you know we work with people at or near retirement age is our, our primary focus. And as we talk to people in retirement age, especially, you get to a point where, hey, I have these funds. I don't have them earmarked for anything, but I love X or Y or Z. And and there's so many different ways you'll see people give. Before we talk about specifics, like. You'll see a lot of times a spouse give when another spouse passes. Hey, this is something I might like to do. Or you might see uh, uh, kids give in honor of their parents. Or you might see someone give in honor of something that they love doing, right? You, you, you see that so often. You, your point of um, charity is so often it's it's something we love and we, and we, we add to it, right? I, I love bird watching, let's say, as an example. And then you might give to the Audubon Society. Or I love you know, hiking, and you might give to local trails, or you might, and it's not just giving money, sometimes it's volunteering, right? Sometimes yeah. it's just, it's just volunteering and doing that type of stuff, too. No, that's, that's a great point. I can't wait to the day that I'm, you know, first of all, semi-retired, and then retired, and, and be able to volunteer a little bit more of my time, because probably like you, John, I, I don't, I'll never be able to sit around in retirement, and so to be able to use my, my talents uh, in a different direction for the good of, of something else, I'm really looking forward to that in my retirement. You know, you know, Mike, that's probably an episode we should uh, come up with in the future is, is honestly the mental side of how to prepare for retirement. Because what you just said, that is, that is a, it's a learned behavior is how, okay, hey, I just worked for 
50 hours a week, 40 hours a week, 60 hours a week. Some of you work 80 hours a week, you know, work, and, and, and then it goes away and you're not doing that anymore. You got to fill that time with something that can't just be sitting on the computer or, or, you know, watching TV. And so, so often that is what it is we, we see with people, you know, and a lot of times we'll see people that are busier with charities and volunteering than they were when they were working. You do hear that quite often when we see our, our clients retire, I don't know how I had time to work. You yeah. know, they, they, they do say that cause they, you know, you know, they, they find time to fill, you know, and so a lot of it's family too, right? That's but, true. Uh, volunteering and, and family and charitable and, and a lot of the church as well, like we talked sure. about earlier. Let's talk a little bit about this. So in the Tax Cuts of Jobs Acts of 2017, um, they kind of uh, eliminated some of the, the charitable deductions that you're able to get on your taxes, okay, because of the standard deduction. Right, right. Inadvertently, really, and, and it made charities maybe a little more, not necessarily struggling, but they had to come at it a different way to try and be there. It used to be, hey, I could donate to charity X, Y, or Z at the end of the year and get that as an additional write-off. And, and now with that big deduction, you know, 13000 in change this year, 2023, for a single person or a widower and 27000 in change for a, for, a, for a married couple, that's, you'd have to give a lot to get above that for it to be, you know, in most situations. And you can, there's ways we'll talk about it, but a lot of people don't give above that number. Yeah, and so what happens is even if, you know, there, there are a lot of people that were very charitable inclined and, you know, maybe five and $10,000 a year or more, or, sure. or you've heard of the tithing as well. And and what's happening then is they were getting these huge deductions, you know, and no longer getting that. So, but there are ways to go ahead and continue to do that. And that's really what we're going to talk about that yep. today. With your charitable giving, um, you can actually, there are some ways to to be tax smart yep. about it, if yep. you can be, um, both while you're working and in retirement. Well, and and I don't, we don't want this to sound inappropriate, but if you're going to give, you know, it makes sense, right? The, the charities that you're giving to in and I'm sure there's situations we can think of where maybe maybe there's a, a unique situation, but by and large, the charities you're giving to, they are already tax advantaged because they are a charity, like you said, a 501c3 or some sort of charitable organization. So in that situation, you can give funds and you don't have to have a tax burden to give there. It, 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 it's wiped out in that situation. So if you're going to be giving, it only makes sense to take that to, to get that tax benefit. It's almost almost like it's a tax penalty nowadays because you you used to get the deduction and you, right, and you right, didn't you know right, so it's almost right. a way almost a way to look at it even though it's not you right. know and we want to be charitably inclined but if we can get that tax benefit as, as well it, it can be very helpful absolutely and, and there's many different ways right you know so let, let's talk about some of the the simple ways and and one thing that um, is very popular nowadays especially for retirees we talked about retirees yep, earlier. Yep. In retirement, oftentimes, because you don't, you're not paying for your kids' college education anymore. Right. Hopefully and, your costs have gone down. Yeah, Nobody else is on the payroll. Yeah, maybe the maybe the mortgage is paid off, et cetera. So sometimes um, when you get to that magic age of, you know, 72, 73, or now, you know, some people even 75, right, they have to take the required minimum distributions, right? Um, but they can use that for charitable giving. So why don't you explain a little bit about that, John? So it's actually what's called a qualified charitable distribution, or, or you'll see it on paperwork or you'll hear people reference the letters QCD, qualified charitable distribution. And so what that is, you can give directly from your retirement account. Uh, I'm a, uh, let's use an IRA as our example. And, and you say, hey, I need to take money out this year, but I was going to be giving money to church anyway. Let's use that as my generic example. Well, if I normally give, 
I'm just using going to use round numbers, a thousand dollars a month to the church, and I have to take out, you know, twelve thousand dollars for my required minimum distribution. Well, one and one is, you know, it equals here. So I can literally say I'm going to give the money directly from my retirement account to the church. It counts as part of my distribution. I don't have to pay additional taxes. The church doesn't have to pay additional taxes. I can give that money directly to the church. Church gets a little bit more money versus me paying the taxes, right, and, 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 and losing that out. And it counts as my as my required minimum distribution in that example. So I can go ahead and do a qualified charitable distribution. Every financial company is a little bit different in what they require. Maybe they have you fill out a form. Maybe, maybe they have some documentation or whatnot. And every place is a little bit different. Maybe you need to talk to a church or a charity. They, they need to have a con- control person and what's their tax ID number, et cetera. I mean, so there's some inner workings that do there, but it is very, very common. You'll see this if you go to any charity and ask them about it. If you've never done it before and you go ask them, they're very familiar with it. Most places will say, yes, we do that all the time and here's here's the steps you need to do. But it is something, um, once you do it once, you realize how easy it is and you think, gosh, I should just be doing this all the time, right? If you're of, of age, using the required minimum distribution as our example, if you're over the age of 72, 73, where the number is now, charitable distribution just makes sense. It's a very simple, easy tool. Well, and and now the, a lot of the places are making it easier too, like you said, and you know the the old going to church and they bring around their their their, their baskets, right? right? You know, right. a lot of it is now I want electronic funds same, deposits, etc. It's online, yep. so people are feeling more comfortable. Because I I've had some clients over the years the same thing. They just felt weird not putting the money in the basket because sure. they've been doing it for fifty years, right? Sure. And so you're right. We we can talk about it. Then finally, once they started doing it, instead of that fifty dollars a week or a hundred dollars a week. They're now doing, okay, a lump sum at the end of the year. Um, and sometimes there's some spe- specialty projects that they can do. And we, sure. can, we can even put it directly to that project. You know, you, you could actually have, you know, three different checks go to a church for three different, you know, one maybe for missions, one for, you know, the church building fund, and yep. one, you know, one for the regular um, givings. And so it's, it's interesting. But once you do it once, it, it does make it a little easier. And more importantly, if it is a direct distribution to the charity then there is no taxes. Correct. You know, and Correct. so that's significant, especially if you're on a fixed income in well, retirement. I, I use church in this example that we're referencing, but they're getting the donation from that um, charity situation. In essence, they're getting more money, right? Because if I'm saying, hey, I got to take out 12000 using that number again, and I'm going to give the church the rest, well, on 12000 if I fall in, let's just say a uh, for make it easy math, it's a 25% effective tax rate. I'm only getting 9,000 and I'm giving that to the church and 3,000 is going to the government. Well, the QCD allows the full 12,000 to go to the church, yeah. right? And, and from the charity side, you and I have both been part of those activities. From the charity side, we love it, right? We, we you know, you can, you're, you're generally getting more money. It's, it's generally pretty consistent too. You say, hey, we know how much you have to take out each year, right? Uh, we we literally talk about that with people. Hey, we know how much you have to take out each particular year. So, hey, we're giving this amount to the to the to the facility or whatnot. So it's a great tool. I hate saying it this way because the pandemic had so many negative consequences, and obviously, so many people lost their lives and all the terrible things about it. But there are changes, or or in essence, benefits that came from that. And one of them would be churches basically had to go online with giving, or charities had to go online with that, and it became people didn't know any other. Hey, I'm not going to the church every week. How can I still do my giving? Well, now I got to do it online. And like you said, once that stigma got taken away of, 
not putting something in there. I'll, I'll be honest, years ago when that collection plate would come by, I knew we were paying online. My wife would hold up the phone and show it to the person and say, we just gave online because of that that stigma, you know? And now you don't have to, no. you know, it's become much more easy. It's funny when you're, when, when our kids were small, the same thing, we would give, you know, I'd give larger checks, but then, you know, if I had just had a couple of dollars in my pocket, the kids would always put a yep. dollar or yep. five bucks in, you know, just to, cause you did, you felt weird, yeah. you know? Yeah, <laughs> not, not doing something. Not putting something in there. Yeah. So it's funny that you said that. I didn't hold up my phone though, John. Oh, we, we, <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we we didn't know another way to do it, so it'll be... <laughs> that's, that's awesome. The, the only problem in the rules with that is, unfortunately, you have to wait till you're of um, required minimum distribution age, right? So so actually on that, um, it, it, that one's a little different. I believe it's actually 70. You can do it actually after the age of 70 still. They're changing the law on that. Um, you know, minimum distribution ages have changed a little bit. Because it used to be 70 and a half when you, when you had to start taking out your minimum distribution, you could still be over 70 and do a QCD right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess what I meant is, yeah, yeah original can't age, Can't do it right? at 52. Yeah, yeah, yeah can't, can't do it at 52. So, yeah. But there are things you can do at 52. So let's talk a little bit about that, though. So if you're not of 70 or 70 and a half um, and of QCD age, um, there's some other things that we see as well. And, and one of the things that we've seen over the years, too, and sometimes it's for the retirees as well, is donation of appreciable assets. Sure. Okay. Sure. So when you're dealing with that, is let's say you you bought some stock, you know, back in the '90s or '80s, and it split several times, and and now you're like, you know, I, I, if I sell this, I'm going to have to pay some huge capital gains. Sure. Okay. So one of the things you can do is you can actually then donate the stock to a charity. Yep. And then they do not have to pay capital gains taxes right. on it. Right. Okay. And so that's a a good tool as well. Absolutely. There, there's also something uh, similar to that called a donor advised fund. Okay. Meaning, meaning you do something similar. You give a, a, a charitable gift. I mean, you can, you can do a number of different ways. You can do, you can do cash, you can do securities, you can do, um, you know, real estate even, or, or other, other valuable assets. But the neat thing about this one is you're going to give to, you're going to give to a fund, but you can kind of load up how you do it. So instead of saying, Hey, I'm giving all this stock in one year, or I want to give stock over a period of years, you can give it all in one year and adjust your donation. So you can kind of lump stuff together. So that, that's a neat thing too. A donor advised fund is, you'll see this much more common going forward. As, as people hear this idea, you're seeing this kind of grow in popularity. The idea really for this one is your deduction there is, is tax deductible. So you can really, like some of the ideas behind it are really, you, you can bunch a donation into a single year kind of to receive a bigger tax benefit. Hey, I'm, you know, I need a huge tax benefit this year. I got a, a huge bonus from work or something in that regard. Okay, well, great. Here's the here's the money you're going to give over the next handful of years. You can do it. It's an it's an irrevocable gift, right? So it's not like you're if you have that. Hey, I can give this now, and that'll count for the next handful of years. Or I'm going to for what I'm going to give the next handful of years. I'm bunching it in one year type of thing. So yeah. So when you're using a donor advised fund, what happens is you can do you get one deduction in one tax year. So let's say you're giving five or ten thousand dollars a year away, anyways, to a, a charity or a variety of charities. And we have lots of clients that that support many many different charities, sure. right? Sure. Um, or sometimes it's a one-time gift because there is a special project that's that's happening there too. So what can happen is because your standard deduction, if you're married, it's like twenty-seven thousand and change. You could put let's say fifty thousand dollars into a donor advised fund, get that deduction that in that first tax year, okay, and then you could now guide the money that you want anytime in the future to go to any charity of your choice, sure. right? 
So it can go, so it doesn't have to even go to the same place, no, right? No, you can and, change. Absolutely. Well, and the other thing, Mike, based on what we had talked about earlier, that qualified charitable distribution, or if you've been listening and taking notes, QCD, mm-hmm. right? That that QCD conversation we said happens at, at we use a majority age terminology, but, you know, over the 70 age or 75, whatever, you know, as you get to your RMD, required minimum distribution age, a donor advised fund is something you can do before then. Mm-hmm. So if you say, hey, I don't want to have to pay $30,000 a year that I have to take out for my RMD I'm giving to charity now. I can't do a qualified charitable distribution, but can I do a donor advised fund to lower that amount in the future? You can actually use a donor advised fund to start doing that before you're of age to do the QCD. You can actually, you know, build it out that way too. And especially since they're going to change the tax laws in 2026, you know, anything we can take advantage of in the next few years um, that that's can, that can be really helpful while we still have these different tax laws, right? Right. We've, we've talked about this a number of different times as far as how tax law is constantly changing, constantly adapting, constantly growing. This conversation as far as charity is something that is really growing as well. The, the years past, you mentioned the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in 2017. Before then, it was, you know, you 2000, you know, the, 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 the mid 2000s, 2010s, et cetera. I just remember you get the, the, the envelopes all the time at Christmas time. Hey, give to this charity, give to yeah. this charity, give to this charity. It's and already it, starting to come, oh, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> but now it, with this, with these changes, even charities are looking at it differently, saying, wait a minute, hey, here's what we're looking for. Here's how you can be of best help. And the charities themselves are looking at it officially. They're, they're saying, hey, this is the best way to give and be helpful to us. And here's how we can do this. We got something the other day that literally was from a particular charity we support. And it, and it was just a card. And, and it had all the information we needed to do a qualified charitable distribution said, hey, if it, now we're not of age, right? But yeah. they just sent it to everybody. They said, if you're doing this, here's how to do it. Here's everything you need. Just those simple little things, I think, that that are changing on the charity side as well, you know, for this conversation or changing on the donation side as well. Oh, you're exactly right. Or even like the, the emails you get from those places that just press a button and, you know, sure. and now with your, your phone, you just automatically load your credit card information sure. and you can you know, donate so they can make it simple. So we do want to use the, the tax advantages if we can. So let's wrap up this conversation, but it's going to be a, a little bit, we're going to talk about this, is more in the estate planning part of it, though, too, because we talked about while you're alive and, and making donations, but a lot of people are now very become very charitable you know, upon their, their death yeah, as well. Death. Okay. Yep, yep. And so, you know, there are different ways and different things we can use for that. So why don't you talk about some of the tools that we see with our clients using, um, you know, to, to leave uh, a legacy, you know, charitably. So there's, it's a great conversation as well. So you, again, you can use some of the stuff we've talked about, right? You can leave money directly to charity. If you're saying, hey, I want to leave, I'm just pulling a number out of the year, $50,000 to my church at my death. Well, that's easy. Then, then we might say, hey, we're going to take that out of your IRA because it's not a taxable event and we can earmark them as a beneficiary. Or you, There's different ways get a little more complicated than that that, that, that that you look at. But you can, of course, do some of the things we've already talked about. But a lot of times you will then, you'll see people doing maybe some direct stuff using maybe a life insurance tool or mm-hmm. maybe a death type of a tool. Um, life insurance is an easy example because you might say, hey, I want to earmark a certain amount of money that I want to go to charity. And I don't know what my bills are going to be or costs or expenses through the, my end stage of life. I don't want all that money to get eaten up and not have anything go to my family. So 
I still want $100,000 to go to the church. I can buy a life insurance policy that I can make the church the beneficiary of directly. So that's one of the ones that we'll see really common, very easy to do um, that we're seeing. So that's on my side that I'm seeing a lot. I don't know. What what, what would you say you're seeing? No, that that was actually a a good thing that, you know, the life insurance we have seen, especially before the QCDs, that's where people used to take their required minimum distributions and they would buy a a life insurance policy with it and leave, you know, several hundred thousand dollars to a charity or church. So. Um, the other thing we see sometimes is, you know, through the trusts, through their estate planning tools. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so there are charitable trusts and charitable main, remainder trusts. And it's too long to get into the, the, the complications behind that. But there are individuals that, um, you know, we've seen over the years that want to set up um, maybe a foundation sure. or a scholarship fund or an endowment, you know, an endowment, you yep. know that kind of stuff we can do. And, and that's obviously someone that, you know, that has uh, something that, that some of the larger estates that we run into that, that will set up something like that. Simple things we see all the time. It's just a simple beneficiary designation, yeah. you know? Yep. Yep. And like you said, oftentimes it's an IRA because it's then the, it's the kids the don't have to pay taxes. Yep. Kids don't have to pay taxes on it and, or a portion of it, you know? So they want to leave $50,000 or a hundred thousand dollars they have X number of dollars in an IRA. I'm going to leave, you know, 50% of it to this charity or, they have one account that's designated right. for a charity. So that's probably the, the simplest thing we see sometimes. It, it is. I, th- I think we see it more and more as time is going along. I think it's, it's um, especially as people get older, as our society is kind of aging a little bit. If, if you figure that that first part of retirement, people are worried, do I have enough to retire? Mm-hmm. Do I have enough emergency money? What's my income going to look like, et cetera? And so you have these things. You get to a spot. In every person's retirement, they get to a spot where they say, hey, I'm not running out of money. You know, I mean, it may be their last day of life, in all honesty, but but hopefully not. You know, hopefully it's sooner than that. But, hey, I'm not running out of money. How much do I want to leave to as a legacy? And what does that legacy look like? And, and I don't want to make people feel bad in this conversation, Mike, when we talk about charity. But you talk about what you love. You and I are both charitably inclined. And so naturally, when we when we talk with people, a lot of people that we talk to, it feels, you know, that way as well. Yeah. Um, if you're not charitably inclined, that's okay. Um, maybe you're just doing it from a tax planning standpoint, but yeah. but, but it also works in, in that situation. But I think the conversation on this, there's so much more that we can get in depth on. It, it is something we would have to do with an individual specifically, you know, in their particular situation. And again, sometimes it changes every year. Right. I'm giving, like you said, using the church as an example, I'm giving to a building fund maybe this year, but next year they don't need that. And I'm giving a different amount or whatnot. So, yeah, a lot of planning that can be done each year in this conversation. And I think you 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 hit the nail on the head when it it is an individual situation. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and based on your age, based on your assets, based on what you want to do. Um, whether you want to do it while you're alive or or set up, you know, through through a legacy. Yep. You know, a lot of people, like you said, they 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 want to make sure that they have the dollars that they need while they're alive, and so they may even set up, you know, some direct tra- charitable giving through their trusts sure. as well, sure. just through their regular sure. revocable living trust too. Yep. So yep. there's lots of things to look at. So. I think actually we, we talked a lot about this today, we, John. We, we yeah. did. We did. There, there's so much more as any of these conversations we have. Every time we get to the spot where we say, hey, we got to leave it here because we could talk for hours on this in, in any given individual subject. And what we're trying to do with each of these subjects is just give you a whet your appetite, let you know what's out there, try and give you some information, but also leave you with you know some ideas as far as where to go to, to get more for your particular situation. So.
For our holistic happening subject, as always, we're going to talk about something that we come up with in, a, in our normal course of business, our normal activities. And again, we're not using specific examples of a client, but we're going to talk about something that, 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 that we might see. So Mike, holistic happenings, I'll turn it over to you. What have, uh, what have you seen here in the last little bit? So what I'm seeing a lot now um, is, 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 has a lot to do with the interest rate environment. The Fed raised rates seven times in 2022 and uh, four times so far this year. The last two times so far this year, they at least uh, did not raise interest rates. And so, you know, people are finding out, you know, I can make a little bit more money in my cash, okay? Yeah. And so what's happening, we see sometimes, is the fact that just two years ago, you, you know, you might have gotten 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0.3% at the most, right? And now 4 to 5% is can be the norm, yeah, yeah. okay? One thing you do want to know, though, is that you're, the bank's not going to do it automatically. You have to go to the bank or to the credit union or, or find the institutions to, to be able to get that. Um, but what's also happening is we're in a very volatile marketplace, okay? And so what's, what we've seen now is that people are now saying, I, 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 if I can get 4 or 5%, you know, and sometimes even 5.5% in some of these sure. you know, short-term CDs, um, they're pulling their money out of the market and saying, I, I'm, I'm happy yeah. with you know, 4 to 5%. But the issue is that is it may be sound financially, but it depends on the type of assets. You know, we talk in many of our episodes about not just asset allocation, but asset location. And what happens is if it's after-tax money, John, what happens to that interest that they have to do? Well, they get a 1099 on it. Yeah, and they got to pay taxes on it. Okay, yeah. so what happens is now you might have had, got a 1099, and sometimes they didn't even get a 1099 from your banks, and you're like looking for it, but then you realize it's less than the minimum, right. and you weren't getting that 1099, and now some people that weren't getting a 1099 previously, or a very small one for a couple hundred dollars, are getting for several thousands, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. And so what's happening now is if you're taking some of your large lump sums, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, where you didn't have a taxable event at all, Right. Previously, now are tens, twenty, thirty thousand dollars now of a taxable event. Right. You know, to your to your ten, you know, to your regular taxes. First of all, if you're still working, and oftentimes the people that are doing that um, are still working and and using their after-tax money and, and and building that portion of their portfolio, they're in their highest income earning years, and so now they're paying taxes at the highest income possible. Right. 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 The second thing we see, though, is it's becoming a lot more popular. We're seeing it with the retirees or, or the, the close to retirees. And what it's now doing is it's throwing their tax bracket out of whack because they're on a fixed income, yeah. right? And so what's happening is they're like, they get this 1099 at the end of the year, and they like, I got to pay taxes now this year, or I have to pay quarterly estimates. And so though now they're tapping to take their, their fixed income and pay taxes on it. And lastly, probably with the thing we're seeing sometimes too when this happens is it's now eliminating or reducing the amount of Roth conversions they can do in retirement as well. Right. And right. so a lot of it, it's not a bad thing to use this stuff. It's just the fact that if you are utilizing these vehicles, you know, if it's in after tax, we have to understand the tax situation and understand how it impacts us. So a lot of it is just now making sure that we're able to put together the proper planning in not only the investment side of things, but in the tax situation when it comes down to um, your individual tax bracket. Does that make sense, John? It does. It makes a lot of sense. As you caught me while we were doing this recording, I had to send a uh, little Snapchat to the family to show that Mike was explaining how taxation works and, and how the interest rates work. So yes, I love that <laughs> idea. <laughs> All right, John. So again, thank you for listening to the Retireable Podcast. If you uh, need to get a hold of us, we are at 1-800-977-9292. 
We also have our website, fsa1.com, and you can reach out, especially today, talking about the charitable conversations. You have questions, you have ideas, you have thoughts on that. We'd love to have a conversation with you about that, about that subject. Absolutely. You can contact us anytime. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Insurance products are offered through the Insurance Business Financial Services of America. Financial Services of America is also a financial services practice that offers securities products and services through AE Financial Services, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. FSA is also an investment advisory practice that offers investment advisory products and services through Financial Services of America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. AEFS and FSAA do not offer insurance products. The insurance products offered by FSA are not subject to regulatory requirements and standards of care applicable to registered representatives and are not subject to investment advisory requirements. AEFS, FSAA, and FSA are not affiliated companies. Any and all other services referenced are an outside business activity not offered through or supervised by AE Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, or Financial Services of America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. AEFS and FSAA and any other entities are all separate and not affiliated entities. FSA advisors may refer you to local CPAs for tax services, including our business partnership with FSA Tax and Accounting and attorneys for estate planning services, including our strategic partnership with Benjamin T. Bader PLLC, if needed, to coordinate and collaborate with you and your advisor on your holistic financial plan with proper written authorization. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as a sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation. FSAA and AEFS are not permitted to offer and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by FSAA and AEFS. Please remember that converting an employer plan account to a Roth IRA is a taxable event. Increased taxable income from the Roth IRA conversion may have several consequences, including but not limited to a need for additional tax withholding or estimated tax payments, the loss of certain tax deductions and credits, and higher taxes on Social Security benefits and higher Medicare premiums. Be sure to consult with a qualified tax advisor before making any decisions regarding your IRA. Case number 3268725, December 2023.